Hello, and welcome to The Mastering Show. My name is Ian Shepard. I'm a mastering engineer, and I run the Production Advice website, where I aim to help you get the best results recording, mixing, and mastering your music. And with me as always this week, or not as always, because he wasn't here last week, John, John Tidy. Welcome back, sir. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Excellent. And we also this week have a guest. Uh, I should have checked this before we started recording, Kenny. Is it Kenny Joya? Is that the right way to say your name? That is correct. Kenny Joya. I'm sure most of you listening already know Kenny, but just in case you've been living on another planet or you don't use the internet or something, um, well, John, you go back further than I do with Kenny. Why don't you give him an intro? Kenny is a mixing engineer, audio engineer, and educator for uh, Pro Tools and Reaper. And uh, I first ran into Kenny on, uh, I'm not even sure what website it would be, probably the Wim Forum. Okay. Years and years ago. And uh, no, actually it would have been the DigiDesign user conference. Okay. And I saw your I saw your Pro Tools videos and then you know I bought all those and I learned everything. And then you switched to Reaper and I switched to Reaper and here we are. Making, wow. We're both making Reaper tutorials. I don't think I knew that you were doing Pro Tools before. Yeah, I used Pro Tools from 2006 up to 2011. I bought an iMac and I, it was like six months before I sold Pro Tools. I never installed it. Gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, Kenny, welcome to The Mastering Show. Thank you for having me. I just want to say up front that I'm really pleased to have you on the show because you are somebody who is more OCD editing your tutorials than I am. Um, <laughs> I... I hate it when I'm doing a tutorial and there's an obvious, like every so often I do like a page flip in a YouTube video or something where I, you know, I have to do an edit and there's just no way to join it together. Right. But most of the time I try, so I'll switch the mouse pointer off and I'll, <laughs> if I have to stop and restart, I'll reconfigure the screen and get the, the track back into the same similar place. I even try and get the audio meters to have similar readings on them sometimes. But you, I believe, confessed on an episode of a podcast that, that was specifically about creating audio tutorials that you have been known to effectively overdub moving the mouse pointer around to, to make the edits work. Is that true? That is 100% true. <laughs> That's fantastic. And it just makes me still feel, it's, it's great. I'm no longer the most anal person I know. <laughs> but I've done similar things with the meters you're talking about. Like sometimes if a meter is like overloading in the corner, I'll actually draw a little dark circle, not dark circle, dark square over it. So it looks like it's not overloading. So I don't get, so I don't get the people going, why is that track overloading? So I just have like through my whole video, this little dark X somewhere that nobody sees because just so it's not overloading. So I do all kinds of crazy things like that. Uh, I'm the same. And we tell ourselves it's so that people don't look at it and go, why is there no, but actually it's for us, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, probably, but it's all, it's also from previous getting people look for things and <laughs> I just don't want them to be yeah. looking for things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's beside the point. The reason that, uh, I mean, think it'd be fun to have Kenny on as a guest for a while, but the, the thing that means that it's happening now is that, Kenny has set up an interesting test uh, in the Groove 3 forum. That Do you run that forum, or are you just a member of that? I run the forum, yes. Cool. Um, so that's a, that's a Facebook uh, group. And in a nutshell, he was following on from conversations in other groups on the internet that were talking about automated mastering. So we're talking about things like, now I always call it Lambda, but apparently you're supposed to pronounce it L and R, but I'm going to call it Lambda because that's otherwise I'll, I'll never remember. <laughs> There's a few of them now. There's Lander, there's Aria. And of course, we also have automated mastering tools, uh, things like Ozone. And there's, a, well, everybody seems to be coming out with that. I think T-Rex have just added something that does kind of 
at least gets you started on the process of mastering your own music, even if it doesn't kind of do the, the full job. And of course, I've talked about this. I can't remember, John, whether this is an episode that I did with you or not, where I, we, I tackled automated mastering in an episode called Not Mastering. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> which maybe I, I'm kind of giving away the, the punchline for this episode. Yeah. No, it's, no, no, I, I remember the episode, but I don't remember if I edited it. Uh, I don't think I was. I don't think I was on the episode. Yeah, right. we also we mentioned it in the last Q and A, the live Q and A. We talked okay. about it a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a t- subject we've touched on before, but lots of people are interested about it. I, they keep asking me questions about it, and this was an interesting example because, well, so Kenny, why don't you tell us uh, about the? You've set up a poll, right? Um, with yes. different versions. Tell us, tell us what what's in there. Okay, so in the, we ha- there's two actual different posts. The first one is just announcing it and kind of explaining exactly what I did. Like I mixed the song, I had it mastered. I made the song available, the mix available in case you wanted to master it as well. And then I made six versions of it, three versions by human engineers and then three versions with the automated services. We used Lander, Aria and Ozone 8. And that was actually voted on as a separate poll because we had other, there's other choices too. I think, uh, I forgot the other one, but there's a few other choices that are out there. And it was just, I didn't want to make it too big, like 10 or 12 choices because who wants to listen to 12 masters? So mm-hmm. we did it, we did it that way, but there's a poll as a separate uh, thread or a post on the same Groove 3 Gurus group. And it's those six versions labeled A through F. And then people are voting on it. Now I mentioned uh, that people can so vote. Who are multiple, the human yeah, engineers? The human engineers are, let me just make sure I don't get his name wrong. Uh, I have him right here. One is John Longley and L-O-N, I'm sorry, L-O-N-G-L-E-Y. He's a professional mastering engineer. The other one is Stephen Slate, who's not really a mastering engineer. He makes plugins, but uh, he wanted to throw his hat in the ring, so we gave him a shot. I'm sure he's using a lot of his plugins to master it. And the final one is kind of an interesting story. I don't think I've even told you guys this. What happened was, this is actually a real record that we put out. I forgot what label was on, but we had a a whole bunch of different mastering engineers master different records at the same time. So I'm not even 100% positive which which mastering engineer did it. I know it was one of the guys at Sterling, but I know I've used two or three different guys. So I'm not 100% positive which guy this even is. But it's actually because of our benefit, because I don't want to call the guy out in case his master became considered terrible. So his name isn't really used (laughs) anyway. But honestly, I swear on my grave, I don't even know which guy it is that actually mastered this. I'm not even sure if it was my favorite guy or the other guy that they chose without me, <laughs> but that's, I'm not okay, going to, that's interesting. I'm not going to label that. But one thing I should mention about that guy, which is unfair to everyone else, but may not affect the results is that he was mastering for loudness. This record was probably made like six or seven years ago. So this was a time when people, the label still wanted things to be louder. So I'm pretty sure his master was the hottest of all of them. And then we leveled it down using L-U-F-S. Do I say Luffs for that? Yeah, Luffs. When I asked it down, his probably, I think I'm pretty sure, was made the lowest or should they brought down the most against them. So if he was using any kind of clipping or any kind of distortion to make it sound louder, his was pulled down the most to match everybody else. So, you know, it wasn't like everyone else I told, like uh, John and I told uh, Stephen, don't master for loudness. Just make it sound good. And they're all brought down to meet the levelness anyway. So no one else was going for loudness at all. Right. And, and that's because I got involved at some point. Well, you tagged me and asked me if I would like to take part in the test, and and I would have liked to. Uh, I just didn't have the bandwidth um, at the point where you were kind of collecting all of your different versions. And also, I have to say, I have done uh, two 
of these kind of shootouts, if you like, before. There was one of them that I did myself. Uh, there's a YouTube video of that, which we can we can link to in the show notes. And we'll also put all of the show notes on themasteringshow.com for the, the Facebook threads that Kenny's talking about for anybody who's listening to this wants to hear the files for themselves um, and maybe even have a go at mastering the song themselves. Um, and then the other time, Graham Cochran from The Recording Revolution, without me realising, put a master that I had done for him up against lander again and his mix just through a limiter um now that one well this this one is better because firstly nobody knows which file they're listening to right they're just labeled a to f exactly the other cool thing is that yeah i i wasn't able to take part in this but i did get involved and encouraged you kenny to to loudness match the files which means that we're doing a fair comparison and we've used lufs luffs to loudness manage them because, I mean, you have to choose some kind of method. If you do it by ear, then it's open to opinion, it's open to bias. Um, and LUFS is the the way that Tidal do their loudness matching. It's the way that Pandora do their loudness matching. And and my hope is that eventually everybody, YouTube and Spotify and, and all of the streaming services will be using LUFS because I think it's the most effective way. It, it agrees the most often with my ears. I mean, it's usually within half a dB of what I think in terms of the, the, if I'm matching loudness between things. Um, so I, I do think it's a pretty good way of, of matching the loudness of the songs. So, yeah, you've got six files. Nobody knows which one is, well, Kenny knows, but nobody else knows which one is which, and they're loudness matched. So it's a, I, I like, I would describe it as a real world example of of how these things are going to sound. Because, I mean, Kenny, you asked this, I mean, you said to me in the conversation we had about whether or not they, sh- or how they should be loudness matched. You asked me, what if one of them sounds louder to me? Right. Even though the machine says that they're the same loudness. Right. Um, and my answer to that is that tells you something useful, right? I mean, A, it tells you exactly what's going to happen when you listen to it on Tidal and Pandora. Right. But it also tells you something similar is going to happen on the other streaming services. All of these, they all use slightly different methods, but they, they it's all similar stuff. Uh, so to to have information about which version might sound louder in different situations or might sound better in different situations, that's valuable information whereas if we just matched it by ear you know whether it's you or me it's just that it's just somebody's opinion and you can say well i disagree with you whereas in this case we have this kind of hard and fast number this is a a real world kind of test and it's not going to be the same for everything but it's i think it's the fairest way that there is right so i was uh, hats off to you for taking all of that on board and, and doing the work um and we'll get to the results in a little bit so okay i should come clean first i have now figured out which file is which, because uh, I realized just an hour or two before the show that you had sent me some information and I could cross-reference the the numbers that I had and figure out which one was which. So I've now figured out which file is which, and I now know the the order that the current vote of the poll. The poll is ongoing. We're going to leave it open for a few days after recording this episode. But there we there is a clear leader, and there's a clear kind of difference in the, the opinion of people who are voting in this poll as to which one they prefer. Right. Um, which is interesting to begin with, right? Because they're all loudness matched. So that tells you something interesting already, which is there is a some kind of difference between these different masters. I thought the Luffs, by the way, did a good job. Like I didn't hear any difference where I would, I would have changed it based on what's there, right? You agree with that? Well, I, I thought it did a good job. It's an interesting question. I haven't kind of listened to it and thought, hmm, do I? There is... There were a couple that I felt kind of jumped out at me more. Okay. Yeah. I mean, when you actually kind of say, is that because they're loud or is that because of the way they sound? Right. I mean, this is the interesting thing. So what I'm always talking about, you know, is 
there's so many things that affect the way that we perceive loudness right. above and beyond just the raw level measurements. Um, but so, yeah, I, I do know which one is which, but I didn't when I was listening. So I, I thought I'd tell people how I did my listening. John hasn't had a chance to, to hear the files, so um, he's going he's gonna to comment on and interrupt us uh, and we're going to kind of talk about the subject more generally once we've revealed the, the current state of the poll. Yeah, I would like to, to listen after the show and, and do the well, test may, on maybe my you own, should but... Maybe you should duck out so that you don't get any spoilers. <laughs> uh, that's fine. I, I have such a bad memory, I'll forget what I say anyway. <laughs> I forget constantly, too. I keep my finder open just so as people talk about it, I can go back and refer to it because I forget which one's which, too. Well, and it's confusing because the the, the kind of the files appear in different orders in different ways that you look at them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. So we will probably get... Yeah, I don't like the point. fact that the poll does it that way, where the poll actually shows it by a leader, as opposed to just being A, B, C, D, E, F. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, as once something jumps to the leader, it goes to the top. So now, like right now, it reads F, B, D, C, E, A. Why do they do that? <laughs> I guess it's because that some of these polls have like 20 or 30 options, and people yeah. are mainly interested in the winners. But, right. Um, which, you know, that's, I mean, that's the thing I should say. Obviously, this is not a scientific test. No. Um, because people are commenting people's comments influence them. And some people will just, you know, if, if you're not quite sure whether you like A, B or C and A is leading, I think if you can see that A is leading, you're possibly more likely to click on A than the others because of people are sheep, basically. <laughs> um, not the listeners to this podcast, obviously. Um, but anyway, so it's nonetheless, it's fun and it's interesting. And we're going to talk about what we found. So how I tested this myself was to just listen. I just opened up the files in QuickTime Player. So I started with A, I listened through to it, made some notes. I listened to all of the songs in order. Obviously, they're all loudness matched already in the files that Kenny sent. And then I went through and listened again just to see whether, because from my experience is that when you're listening in detail to something like this, you start to hone in on the differences and you start to hear things. So I did a bit of flicking between them and eventually I came up with some notes, which I then sent to Kenny as a screenshot with a, with a timestamp on my clock, just to prove that I wasn't cheating. <laughs> um, and so I kind of came up with some conclusions from that. And it might be fun to share some of those, I thought, before we reveal the results. Um, uh, I mean, obviously I'm cheating because I now know that I don't have serious egg on my face because I figured it out. But I was, even before that, I, w I think I would have been brave enough to <laughs> say what I thought beforehand. <laughs> Funny that that comes up because it's 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 kind of messing with people's profession. It's kind of hard to throw your hat in the ring because what if you lose to a machine that doesn't look good? Yeah. So I, I get the weirdness of that, but... Yeah, and I, I kind of have an an answer to, to that. John, can you remind us that Kenny said that later on if I don't come back to it anyway? Because I think there's an interesting point about that. Okay. Um, but let's, let's kind of put a pin in that just for a second. Sure. Yeah, really briefly, uh, here were some of my comments. I said that Master A... I thought had soft and silky vocals, but not enough edge or clarity. Uh, I felt it was overcooked. Snare was pumping in the chorus and at the end. And I thought it started out not feeling loud enough to me and ended up feeling uncomfortably loud. Overall, I felt it was tiring. Master B, I said, was gritty and a little bit harsh, uh, thick. I thought it sounded wider than the mix. I thought at the end it got pretty cluttered and muddy. And overall, it kind of felt like it was held in and pumping. Uh, just sounded too dense to me. And I've, I've got written here in brackets, Aria, question mark. And that's just based on the impression that I have of the stuff that I've heard that's been done by the Aria online mastering system. 
there's something about the kind of the sizzle in it that made me think maybe that's what it was. You are familiar with these services? I've played around. I mean, not hugely. I mean, okay. but I've been watching the conversations. That there was another shootout that somebody did on YouTube where they had five or six of these. Okay. Um, the main reason that I'm interested is that people never loudness match. Right. Um, and and for me, basically, I think if if you do one of these shootouts and you don't loudness match, chances are the loudest one will be the one that people prefer. Of course, right? Because that's just the way that this stuff works. Um, and because of the differences between the services, you can have one, two. I think one of the ones I saw there was three dBs of difference between the loudest and the softest example. Okay, and that three dBs can have a huge influence. Oh yeah, you know? totally. I mean, you you can argue about half a dB. I mean, I think half a dB is as significant and maybe more significant because you don't notice it. Right. But yeah, it's so. Oh, three is huge. Yeah, three three is huge, and 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 actually the one that kind of in inverted commas won that one that I'm talking about. That shootout that I'm talking about uh, was Aria, and that was the one that was three dBs louder than the the first example they gave. Right. So I, I kind of just looked at it, was like, well, that's not a fair. Comp- that's not right. Because the, the, here's my thing about loudness is it's completely reversible, right? If something goes through an EQ and then a compressor and then a limiter, those changes get baked into the audio, right? You can't right. undo those. You can't reverse engineer them. But a gain change, you absolutely can. And the gain, the replay gain, is going to get messed with wherever we listen to this. Right. Even if somebody listens to it on a an iPod or in the car or whatever, people adjust the volume control themselves. Totally. So, you know, we don't have any control over that. So it's kind of I think of that as noise in the in the information as opposed to, to data, right? Right. Um right. But it's a big but it's a big deal because for instance, like when if you ever use like an L1 and L2, like the first time you ever put it onto a mix, it always gets a little bit louder. So you immediately assume it's better. But one of the nice things that I think the L2 had was that it had the option when you pulled it down. You heard the distortion, but it didn't get louder. You could actually, you, had a, you know what I'm talking about? You had a separate mm-hmm. level. We could bring it up. So this way you can, you had no biased opinion on it. In fact, I made a Reaper video uh, recently where I took a limiter and I linked up the output level and the threshold so that when you pull the threshold down, the output level goes down as well. So you can actually hear what you're doing with the mastering as opposed to it just getting louder with some kind of automatic, you know, uh, compensation for it. You're going, oh, wow, it sounds mm-hmm. better because you just made it 3DB louder. You actually hear you hear the distortion creeping in, so they can they can then back off a little bit, so there's no distortion. Then you can bring the level back up to your three or four dB you can get. So I think that's such a huge part. And to add to that, one of the things I always do, which is why I love using a control surface, is if I'm EQing something, I'm always have my hand on the volume fader. So I'll be boosting like an EQ on a vocal, and at the same time I'll be bringing it down a little bit, just so I can see if like am I making this better because I made it louder, or am I making this better because I made it brighter? You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. It's such an important thing. It, it's it's so important, and and happily, more and more plugins are doing that. I think right. the Fab Filter stuff have certainly the EQ has an automatic level uh, compensation, and the Nova EQ has it, um, and uh, there's one in Ozone. Um, so yeah, it's becoming. And of course, I have a plugin that does that for any mix chain using any sequence of gear, which is called Perception. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, it, it's absolutely critical. Briefly, get back to my comments. What do we have? So, so I, I, I guess maybe B might be Aria. Just something about the quality of it. As it not, not. I don't mean quality as in it was high or low quality. I just mean the, the something about the signature. Yeah, maybe it kind of reminded me of what I've heard of Aria. Um, I've, I've only listened to two or three examples, but now you did anyway. listen to the mix first, right? No, I haven't listened to the mix. Oh, you still haven't? No. Nope. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, Oh, actually, no, I'm telling a lie. I have listened to the mix. <laughs> yeah, because I listened to a couple of the masters and it's it's pretty dense already. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. 
you know, all, all of them were pretty dense. And yeah, no, I did. I went back and listened to the mix uh, just to kind of get a sense of, of where it was originally. Yeah, because you, you commented to me when you sent it that you thought maybe it wouldn't be dynamic enough for my taste. And I said, uh, yeah, absolutely. I didn't include it in my comparisons when I was making all these comments. Right. So I kind of, I could listen to it as you'd sent me and thought, okay, that's interesting. And and I have now actually done my own master of it because that's kind of, I find that's one of the best ways for me to figure out what I really think about something. Right. Um, you know, once I knew you were going to be a guest on the podcast and I can make some more time for it. Um, so, so yeah, I have listened to the mix, but I wasn't kind of listening to it when I was doing these comparisons. Um, because yeah, there's an, there's an element of kind of that, that slightly, the kind of gritty, slightly distorted quality in the mix. Gotcha. The one that I instantly recognized was C. C is Lander or I'll eat my hat. <laughs> um, and I, so my, my, my comments are much too much bass. The kick is absurd. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the mix, I didn't think needed that much work. Right. Um, you know, it's already in great shape. It's a great mix. It's a great song. Personally, I wanted to tighten up the kick sound a little bit. There was a little bit of it that was speaking a little bit after the beat that was kind of pulling the song back for me, stopping it moving in the way I wanted it to rhythmically. And I would have liked a little bit more depth in it. Okay. Um, this master C went the opposite direction to me. <laughs> Um, so, and I think it just makes it kind of sound lumpy. Um, I've written here, what the hell would this sound like on Beats headphones? Um, <laughs> Does Wander do that to everything? That's the way that I'm hearing it. I mean, I can't, you know, I haven't, I, I, you remember in the original Facebook thread, I made a comment to you saying, this isn't going to teach us anything. All that this experiment tells us is what these services do to this mix of this song. Of course. Right? If you want to actually make, and, and anybody listening, don't think that I, we or anybody else is kind of making a judgment on any of these services. This is basically a bit of fun. It's an interesting way of talking about the subject. Totally. If, you, if, if we want to really kind of get to grips with these services, you'd have to throw, I don't know, 10, 20, 50 yes. songs at all of these services get them back and do comparisons, get hundreds of thousands of people to listen to them. Right. Uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, but having said that, I consistently hear Lander Masters where for me, there's too much bass. But why do you think they do that? Like, where does it come from? Well, that's an interesting thing. I mean, so to say something positive about the Lander one, it's the only one of the ones that, that I thought when I was listening and that I now know were mastered by robots right. <laughs> um, that wasn't too squashed. Okay. And okay, so there's an important detail that we haven't told people yet about what you did, which is that you used the default settings or the medium settings on on the the automated mastering systems, right? Yes. A positive aspect of this is it's not stupidly loud. Right. Um and I've l checked Lander in the past and felt that it makes things too loud by default, and that's a piece of feedback that I've given to them and I know they've they've heard that from me. Okay. Hopefully this means they've addressed it and actually the original medium setting I felt was already set to stun. <laughs> Okay. Um, and that's what I'm guessing is the case with the other two examples we've got in this test as well. I was trying to figure out if you thought it was like they're aiming for the wrong target or is it just, it's just not a computer just can't figure it out. Like, like to me, it's like, well, give you a perfect example. I have a subwoofer sitting right next to me. That's the size of a refrigerator. It's huge. And it's, so I, I know what my low end sounds like and I, and I know my room well enough to know how the low end should sound. So when I got, I really spend a lot of time on the low end, you know, I don't want my subwoofer to, I know it sounds great when it's loud, but I know where it should be. And I heard my mix and I, as soon as I came back from Lando, I'm like, wow, my subwoofer loves this, but why? Like, you know, it shouldn't be there. You know, I shouldn't sound like some, you know, car driving down the street, cranking rap music. You know, I know it shouldn't be that deep. Like, where's this information? What made them think it needs so much more 40 Hertz in the mix? Like, I just, I was trying to figure that out. Cause I was like, it just feels wrong to me. <laughs> 
I've had email conversations with the guys at Lander, and I know they're passionate about what they're doing and that they're they're striving to improve. They they are taking criticism on board and they are trying to improve it. I know that they're responding a lot to their users. I mean, when I talked to them about the loudness, they said, you know what, we're with you. You know, we we don't want to make stuff ridiculously loud. Right. But the number one comment we get back from our users is we want to make it louder. So they're fighting that balance of providing it's kind of like a real mastery engineer of, of providing a service, giving the client what they're asking for. But think about the problem with that. Who is the most obvious person that's going to be using Lander? It's going to be novices, right? Mm-hmm. Like someone like me, I'm not going to use these services. I'm going to hire someone like you. So you basically have people who don't know any better. They're not mixing on good systems, giving Lander the feedback for what they should be doing. Right? That doesn't sound right. <laughs> I agree with you that that doesn't sound right. And I do think that a big part of their user base will be novices. But I will say, I heard an interview with the guy who, I think might have been on Bobby Ozinski's blog, the guy who set up Aria. Right. And he was talking, he has pros using the service. And I, and actually, I know that there are pros using Lander as well. Okay. And, it, you know, what they're saying is it's for the times when it's 1 a.m. Right. They're working on the revisions by their client. The client expects it back in the morning. They don't have the time to send it to a real mastering engineer. And actually, what they end up doing is they'll submit a master to Lander, listen to it when it comes back again, tweak it, submit it. You know, I mean, because it's so fast. Right, right. All of these automated systems. That they it, it, they can kind of get multiple revisions, if you like, in inverted commas, um, really quickly bef- in time for what the client is demanding. So, right. so I think it's not wholly uh, but, novices using these services, but I, I do agree. I think that's going to skew the the, the opinion um, or the skew the perspective of, right. of these guys working. I find it strange that. Lander add, consistently adds that much base. I mean, the other theory I have is that I wonder whether lots of people using Lander and, and automated mastering in general are coming from an EDM background right. where that kind of, that pounding 40 hertz stuff needs to be there. Totally. Um, but having said that, the, the the publicity for Lander says that it it tries to identify what the genre of the music is and do something appropriate. I think for me at this point, based on based on the evidence that I've heard, which is not scientific and not all of them, you know, um, I don't think it's quite working the way that they intend. Or right. And to be clear, I've only done one song, so I'm, I, I shouldn't judge on their entire service based on what they did with one. I prefer, I mean, to me, the best case scenario is to keep doing these with all different various variable masters. I was actually going to do this with this first one with two different songs, the same artist with a ballad, because he has some like slower, less dense tracks that he has. I wouldn't call mm-hmm. them ballads, but like they're very sparse tracks. And just to compare, but I also didn't want to make every mastering engineer master two tracks either. But the other thing that I really think should be done with this is the thing about my, I'm not trying to tote myself as a great mixer, but as as noted, the EQ from one to the other is not that different because the EQ of the mix itself was actually pretty good. So I would love to hear one because one of the things I do on every Thursday in my Groove 3 group is uh, do mix review Thursdays. People send me mixes. I do 20 mixes a week and I review what they should do and to change their mix. I hear a lot of great mixes that could really use mastering, like way too much low end or way not enough low end, way too much mm-hmm. top end. Those are the kind of mixes I would love to try with the same kind of thing to see what they do. Because when you have three different mastering engineers and three different services with something that's not EQ'd very well, you're going to get much more varied things because someone who needs to add 2dB of high end, someone else might add four, someone else might add one. You know what I mean? So you get more of a variable as opposed to putting up something like this that's pretty balanced. So you're less likely to like grab for an EQ. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it, it totally does. And uh, yeah, I think that would be, I mean, you could probably make that work. 
your challenge is finding i mean because really to keep it fair you want to use the same mastering engineer the same human mastering engineers oh, each yeah, that's time true. right that's true because, too. because yeah. there will be some variety i mean i have to say whenever i've compared my work with other mastering engineers if people understand that loudness isn't an issue i find that the results are amazingly consistent right um and i mean i guess that's something that, well we'll make let's we'll make some general comments about these so we'll just finish my list quickly i'm sorry <laughs> uh, no, no it's cool no this is it's all good stuff it's uh, but anyway so uh, master d I've got EQ okay, but thick, distorted, pumping, unexcited, end pumps badly. Um, this one, I wonder whether it's the Slate Master, Stevens Master, because just something about the, the it was slightly more distorted than the others. Actually, no, I'm not sure that's true. This was the first one that I kind of noticed distortion in particular, uh, and something about the quality of it reminded me of the sound of the FGX, okay. um, which. And, you know, I mean, anybody who's listening, FGX is uh, basically an intelligent clipper. So it's a way of maximizing the level. And rather than being a straight limiter, it uses clipping, which uh, is supposed to tailor itself to the material that you're providing. Okay. Uh, and to Because lots of pro engineers use clipping at one stage or another in the process. Some people clip converters. Some people, you know, we've, we've done a whole episode on clipping. Anybody who wants to listen to that can head back to themasteringshow.com and find it in the archive. Um so it's absolutely a valid way to go, but this master was pretty loud. And my experience is that FGX does a great job up to a certain point, And then for me, it starts to get too distorted too quickly. And there's something about the quality of this that made me wonder whether it was Stephen Slate's master. Now, when you say pumping, do you mean like stream pump? I mean, I've heard, I didn't notice it like pumping a lot. You're, you're hearing, you're, you're talking about it, like you hear it, but you're not talking about like way over pumped. You're talking about like here a little, a little bit more too no. much pumping. Okay. I mean, I mean, so so I guess that's that's something that's worth saying. Yeah, I mean, it's a general comment. I mean, in fact, all all six of these are surprisingly similar right. in their loudness match. I mean, right. the lander one stands out to me as having much more bass than the others, and there are varying degrees of top end in in the other masters. There are quite clearly audible differences, but it's oh. not like chalk or cheese. I don't think. Right. Um, You're nitpicking, but not nitpicking in a bad way. You're you're being well, very, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the mastering engineer thing. It's, yes, yes. I mean, I was going to say that actually that, that, that any one of these is acceptable, except that for me, the ones that are where the loudness is right up there, I don't think are acceptable, but that's yes. me with my, you know, dynamics campaigning hat on. Gotcha. I, I think if, if, if people are comfortable with a much louder sound than I typically go for, maybe most of these would be acceptable. And I mean, you're absolutely right. The interesting thing I wrote pumping, but of course, one of the things about the FGX, at least. I mean, I don't know what, if this was Stephen's master, I don't know what his chain is. I'm guessing he must have used some compression as well. So yeah, it's not like ridiculous, absurd kind of, right. you know, it's, it's just, I can feel the thing kind of moving and pulsing and reacting to things. So I did my master before kind of finishing off my thoughts on these. So I was comparing what I would have done with the song. So I'm listening to my master, which is pretty healthy dynamically. Gotcha. Um, in comparison to the louder versions that are here. Um, so it doesn't really have, I mean, your mix has some, I would say some good pumping, you know, some musical pumping. Oh, totally. It. Um, you know, uh, which is part of the creative process and that's all good. But so what I was hearing was kind of over and above that or right. something else in there that just, it, I mean, I have to say this kind of stuff, this is stream of consciousness. I've, I'm 
I had to type it out because I was going to kind of scan the, the notes that I wrote, but nobody would be able to read them. Right. So it's just stuff that I was scribbling down. Um, anyway, there you go. Uh, so Master E, I'm, I'm not being very flattering, dull and nasal, squashed, pumping, especially at the end, claustrophobic. And then F, EQ okay, punchy, but symbols over the top, wide, distorted, slightly boxy vox, um, slightly nasal. Uh, so overall, I voted in the poll. F is the one that I went for. Um, all of the others, except for the lander, I felt were too squashed. And that, you know, that's me with my taste. Um, but particularly because, you know, everything these days is going to go to a streaming service. Um, and I think I, 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 don't, I, was, I think it's probably true that more stuff that's going through automated mastering services, I think, you know, people mix, send it off to ARIA or wherever, upload it to YouTube. I just think that's what pe people do. I think these days, people who want to have CDs pressed are more likely to get stuff mastered by an engineer. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Certain things you're afraid to do. Like, like if I'm making a CD, getting it manufactured by a company, I'm afraid to just sending my mixes. Because as you know, there's this Red Book standard stuff that I, as a non-mastering engineer, I don't really know how to do. So I, I pay for that, that um, just for that comfort of knowing you're doing it correctly. You know what I mean? Just even besides the actual job of mastering, you know, getting the levels from one song to each other right and knowing what to send to a CD duplicator. So that that adds another level of that too. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, you know, there's a whole... Well, one of, I, I said in a message to you that you've got a little bit of amp buzz and guitar, like a, a plectrum coming off a string or something at the beginning of this song. Right. If I was mastering this song, I would be firing off an email to you going... Is that intentional? Do you want that? I assume you want that left in there because it's in the file you've sent me, but if not, I can trim it off for you. Right. That's a question I don't think a machine is going to ask anybody. No, of course not. Of course not. Um, and, and that's, a, you know, but, you know, there's a whole ton of things, you know, hiss, clicks, um, distortion at certain points, you know, there's all kinds of artistic things. So, and that's a general kind of comment on what these automated mastering services are able to do. So anyway, th those were my thoughts um, before I knew what things were, overall, I thought F would, uh, I mean, I, I put in a comment under your poll, I said, uh, I, none of the above, <laughs> none of them was close <laughs> enough to my master that I would be completely happy. But of them all, F retained the dynamics of the mix. I felt it dealt with that, that boomy stuff in the kick that was concerning me. Overall, it was a little bit splashy in the high end, but that was the same. I had wrestled with that in my master as well. Gotcha. Um, I just felt like the symbols once you kind of balanced out the EQ, the symbols were just a little bit too upfront for my taste. Um, and I would have gone with that because of the overall sound of it rather than have the whole thing sound a little bit dull right. and keep those under control. So that, that that's a kind of, I'm guessing that was done by a human and um, simply because I'm, I was pretty certain that a Sterling master was going to be pretty loud. I was pretty certain that Steven's master would be pretty loud. Um, so yeah, my guess is this is a human and that would be the one that was closest. So the last thing I'm going to say before you kind of reveal which was which and what the order was, I think I'm going to kind of give the headline uh, conclusion, if that's okay, which is right now, let me look at the uh, the poll. Of course, this, this could change because the first two are quite close. Right. And it has changed over the last few days. Yeah, you mentioned that. Like C was in third place for almost the whole time and now D has surpassed it. In fact, I'm not going to reveal because there's now I've figured out which one is which. So I know the, the kind of interesting thing. 
I, in my opinion, so F, the one that I like, is also the one that has the most votes on the site. It has 38 yes. versus 31 for Master B, which is the next one, which is the one that I wondered might be whether or not that, that was the Aria Master. Um, and I, I wrote in a comment on the poll that I hoped that it wasn't, and I hoped <laughs> that it was the Sterling one instead, because it would distress me to think that uh, a robot came number two in something like this. Yes. Um, but then we had, so the next one was uh, Master D, which is the one that I think is Stephen Slate's master. That's got uh, 14, looks like. Yes. Then we had C, which is the one that I think is Lander, has nine votes. Yes. Uh, e, which I don't really, I don't think I have an opinion about what I think that is, has seven votes. And then finally, Master A uh, has three votes. Yes. So we don't have a ton of votes yet. I think we're hoping that more people are going to see the thread and maybe that will build up even fur- further. But we do have a clear winner. Yes. So yeah, Kenny, tell us which was which. Um, I think for the most part you were correct. F was uh, John Longley. You were not sure about B. You were hoping it was not um, the service, Aria. and it wasn't. It was Sterling. And again, um, I think that's because it was pushed a little louder than you know the service itself was. Th- th- this is back again. This is mixed like six, seven years ago, and they probably went for loudness because I'm pretty sure that's that was as far as bringing them down to make them all equal. I think that was brought down the most. Because no mm-hmm. one told them we're not going, you know, they, they weren't part of this whole contest. We, we kind of brought them in begrudgingly. No, it, was, it was a different <laughs> world six or seven years ago. I mean, yes. normalizations only really come online in the last two or three. And I think that's the only time that people have really seriously become persuaded right. by the idea that they should be thinking about making things more dynamic <laughs> instead of just super loud. So, yeah. But if you were to tell any mastering engineer that we we're going to use one of those like that and it would still come in second place, I would think you'd say, wow, that's amazing. You think it's a huge disadvantage that this is going to be, because I think I brought it down let me see, 12, yeah, I brought it down 4 dB. So this was 4 dB hotter than it, everyone heard it at, if that makes any sense. Yep, effectively it's got 4 dBs less peak headroom to play with exactly. than, than John's Master, which is the one that was preferred, yeah. Yes, but it's still beat out, at least it's beating out right now the other four, which I think mm-hmm. is pretty interesting. So going down mm-hmm. the list, D is third, which is Stephen Slate's, which I think you guessed correctly. Okay, and let me pause there, because now I can give you the headline that I wasn't going to, I mean... Thankfully, for me, we, the, the humans are in the top place, right? Yes. I mean, the humans actually have the majority of the votes. What have yes. they got? We, we, yes. we could do the sums on this. They, it's like 14 plus 28 plus 34, and then the machines have only got 9 plus 7 plus 2. So yes. I don't. That, as far as I'm concerned, that's a whitewash of, yes. at the moment of humans versus machines, which is the way that it should be. If we count this as a uh, scientific poll, which I know we can't, but... For this song. Okay, so the next one is C which was beating D for a while, but it did drop down, and that's Lander, as you guessed. And that's the one that I mentioned has so much more low end. I, I guess it's still dynamic, but I, the EQ to me is way off. I'm really surprised. The only reason I think people are picking it is because maybe their systems are not as accurate as mine. Like, so maybe they love the extra bass. So here's, here's the, the bit where I'll jump in with the, the point I didn't mention earlier. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, you asked me why I thought Lander might be adding that bass. Right. And, and so there's, there's kind of two theories, and these are literally pie-in-the-sky theories. One is that they took my feedback and maybe some feedback that other people had given them, that the default setting was too quiet. Okay. But they wanted some other way to make it feel big and impressive gotcha. for people going to the site. So they want to do the right thing by making it. It is significantly more dynamic than any of the other machine masters we've got here and than two of the, the human masters. Right. Um, which I think is a positive thing. 
I like the effect. It's not just a kind of theoretical thing. Oh, it's more dynamic, therefore it's better. It, apart from the EQ, I think it does have more punch, more life to it than the, the much denser masters. The other theory is, as we were discussing earlier, they're responding to feedback from users. Right. I mean, lots of people like bass. Right. You know, one of the one of the problems with this kind of test is, I mean, let's just imagine it would be a pretty brain dead automated mastering system. But let's say you had an automated mastering system that put the same EQ curve and the same level boost on everything, right? right. If you give a uh, an EDM tune with pounding kick drum to that service and it's adding a ton of bass, right. that's going to go way over the top. It's going to distort. That's not an appropriate sound for that song. Whereas if you give it some kind of much more open, natural sounding acoustic ballady thing or just a, a, a rock tune that had a very tight uh controlled low end that low end bump that it's giving to everything could be just what that song needs right and that's that's kind of one of the weaknesses of this kind of test is there's always a chance that whatever any of one of these automated systems does is just going to perfectly suit the material Oh, totally. You could say the same thing a little bit about humans in the sense that if, you know, I mean, a mastering engineer's taste comes into what they do. Most engineers will do something pretty similar, maybe outside of the loudness question, but in terms of the EQ. But then there's the question of, you know, exactly how much upper mid do I add? You know, if I'm going to work on the stereo width, how much do I do? And that will vary a little bit from engineer to engineer. And sometimes you might have an engineer who just happens to, their taste happens to coincide with exactly what that song needed. Totally. So, I mean... It, you know, there's with all of these kind of tests, why this isn't a scientific test. There's so many variables. But yeah, that's that's my theory. I mean, because in the other two tests that I've done, it's not like uh, humans always completely beat out the automated mastering systems. Right. Um, in all the tests like these that I've seen so far, where the tracks were reasonably similar in level, uh, humans have won out against the machines, but quite often the robots come in a pretty close second or third. Um, and I think that's because, well, here's the other thing, people making the decisions, right? We don't know who's voting in this poll and what they're listening on. If right. they're listening on Apple earbuds, then a little bit of hyped low end, so that, that kick drum really punches out a bit more, could be exactly what you want. I mean, I I would imagine not in this forum with a mastering thing. I think chances are, you know, people taking part in this poll are more clued up than that. But that's another possible reason why people like what what lander is is giving them and, and maybe why that's why lander are doing what they're doing in terms of the sound so anyway but, i interrupt you but but in the, in the way of a scientific test there's no reason popularity should have anything to do with it if you really think about it you know what i mean like what just because people like it doesn't mean it's a good master i mean if people it's like it's like using uh, sales of records if we compare it to how many records Celine dion sold versus how many records on some other band that you might happen to love you know, that doesn't mean one's better. It's all subjective. I'm not, so I'm saying, I almost think in these kind of tests, the closest to the humans you get, especially when you use someone like you or Sterling that have a reputation of being good mastering engineers, to me, the, the job of the, or the computers is to get as close as possible to you. If people like them better, then it's almost like, what are they shooting for? They're just shooting for people to like them as opposed to making the best possible master? Well, see, that's an interesting <laughs> tangent that I think we could probably talk about for a whole other hour. Because, I, I mean, there are absolutely people out there who say, but if people like it, then it's right. I mean, that's that's a justification that I hear constantly for the loudness, right? Right. Is, for, for, for the loudness war is just that people like it. People want it loud. You know, if, <laughs> and, and, and again, there's, there are so many mastering engineers saying, well, it's a service industry. I have to give the clients what they want. Oh, that's why um, they do even, it. Even if it damages the music. Of course. Um, you know, I mean, 
that's I think if you take that to its extreme, it's ridiculous. But of course, that's a factor. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody needs to get paid, right? Um, you know, uh, so yeah, I mean, I th- you you raise a valid point, but I think there's a whole kind of grey area that we can let's just leave that to one side for now. Just so you know, I'm the king of opening cans of worms. <laughs> that was something I was going to say in your introduction. I, I don't take this the wrong way, but I think you're probably the king of uh, internet audio trolls. Um, <laughs> Kenny and I, I have had really, some really. I don't really like that word because I know people get mad at me because, and, and I got a lot of people that get mad at me because they, they think I'm trying to troll people. But what I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to put people off of their comfort zone and make them passionate about what they believe in and then sell me back why they're right. Which sounds like a weird thing, but it's like, you get the most useful information from people that way. You know what I mean? If I tell you that you're not doing, you're not, I'm not saying that you're not doing a good job, but if I need, if I need to explain to Ian why, make him tell me why it, what he does is important, that's going to be very educational for people to listen to. So I look at it from that point of view. How do I get the best that he has to offer? And that's by throwing him off his, you know, steady place that he's standing on. Like kick him off and, and tell me why you need to be back on top of this. So that's what I try to do. That's why I don't like using the word troll because troll sounds like I'm just trying to get reactions from people. And I'm really not. Yeah. I'm, I'm really trying to get the best information from everybody. No, I, I accept that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Troll is, a troll is somebody who just says whatever is going to annoy whoever they're talking to the most, you know, right. and kind of keep the argument going. And that's not what you're doing. You're just, <laughs> be, you're being provocative. Um, but I do I like guess. to keep the and, argument going because one of my sister-in-law's favorite thing is like, she called me a hockey goalie that never catches the, the, the puck. I just keep hooking that puck back into play. I, I don't want to stop. I want the hockey game to keep going. <laughs> and I mean, you know, it's slightly off topic, but it's good tactics for Facebook, right? Because Facebook, the, the more people are talking about stuff, the more it will show that stuff to other people. If you right. have a message you want to get out there, you you want to provoke some debate. So yeah, no, I understand completely where you're coming from. It's not intended as a criticism, whatever. It's just, oh no, it's fine. It, it, it makes me smile. <laughs> um, anyway, okay, let's so let's finish off. So so C was Lander. That was the uh, quotes that the well, that was the most popular so far of those of, yeah. of the robot masters. Then in fifth place we had E. Which one was that? E was Ozone Eight. Has seven votes at this point, so it's pretty low. And I was actually surprised because I actually thought Ozone was pretty good. I mean, not not as good as the others, but I thought it held its own. Again, I thought Lander was terrible, so I didn't really think that. Um, I wasn't expecting much from the other two. I was really surprised that out of the three, that people liked Lander the most because I really thought it was the weakest of the four. I actually thought Ozone was kind of cool, almost to the point where I wouldn't mind getting a copy of it to use, not in place of a mastering engineer, but in place of like every once in a while, you know, like. You know, you're done with mixing for the day and you want fresh ears on it. The next day you wake up, listen to the mix fresh, then listen to what Ozone did to it and just go, and almost like considering another opinion. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not Mm going to send this to a mastering guy just so he could tell me what he thinks of this rough mix I made one night. But it's kind of nice to go like, here's a different opinion of it. You know what I mean? So I almost, and I think Ozone 8 has a lot more presets to choose from. So just like going through different ones to just go, which one pops out at you? You know, so I thought it'd be kind of cool as a tool that way. I think that's a valid way to to use the, and I think people use online mastering services in the same way. You know, they just kind of say, okay, well, let, I'm going to see what Aria or Lander or whatever it is is going to do to this, right? And just take that as kind of input, um, exactly. Maybe to get an idea of what a, a professional mastering engineer might do uh, right. when they get it. Just like people sometimes put this, well, loads of people put stuff through, you know, some kind of mastering processing on the on the mix bus or whatever. Right. Um, and I mean, an interesting point is my main objection to E which is the Ozone Master, is that I just feel it was too squashed. Okay. Um, 
I think that's a that's a valid point to raise, right? Because what we're saying is that out of the three robots, only Lander, I thought, came out with a sensible level. I mean, your mix is basically almost as loud as I think the master needs to be. I think I, I lifted it by maybe a dB or so when I right. mastered it. Um, Lander kind of is in a similar ballpark. The other two are three or four dBs louder. And I just think that's too much for a default setting, right? For Or, yes. or for, a, for a medium setting. I think... I would be much more comfortable. Does it do that by default? Does it automatically make it that much louder? It must be reacting to what you send it. I don't know. I, 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 that would be an interesting test. I haven't used the, because the this is the, I forget what they call it, the mastering assistant, I think. This is a new feature. In, I mean, generally, I'm a big fan. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Isotope stuff in general. And Ozone is a, a really powerful mastering tool. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I also like it. I think it's good. I haven't experimented with the automated mastering assistant aspect of it at all the positive thing that i would say about it is that it's actually changed the sound of your mix the least i think okay it basically lifted up the level you know it, it hasn't added loads of bass it hasn't added loads of top i would have liked a bit more top a little bit more clarity okay. out of it if it had been more dynamic i think i would have been much happier with it and again i think in some ways a bit more of a hands-off approach with these things would be my preference right um if i'm going to use some kind of automated system and then, yeah, last in this case was... A. Which one? Area. See, that's really interesting. I was also surprised, but I should actually give you a little, which I haven't told you yet, I should give you a little backstory to it, which could have skewed it, but I'm not sure because I only did it once. Um, when you, have you used Area before? I've never used it. It gives you different settings to choose from. And I chose B because B was called default. I, I don't want to get this wrong, but I could be getting this wrong because I'm doing this from memory. I forgot what A was. But I know that they're trying to ask you based on how hot your your mix is. Now, I, I know we discussed already my mix is already pretty hot because I am using uh, two compressors and a multiband on my master bus. Because over the years, obviously, mixing for as many years as I have, I've learned that you need to make things sound good with a lot of compression because people are going to keep adding compression down the line, whether it be the mastering engineer, whether it be the radio, because a lot of the stuff I've mixed is for radio. I need mm -hmm. to make sure it sounds right then. So I always use all this stuff on the two bus to kind of pre-master because I need to mix into that stuff. In fact, when I'm tracking drums, I already have two compressors and a multiband on my master two bus before I even start getting the kick sound. Like it's there from the beginning and it's there at the end. That's just the way I do it. So it's asking me how much of that's going on when I choose my preset. And so it says if it's loud, choose this one. If it's lower, choose this one. But the problem is based on my master, I almost feel like I should have chosen a different preset, but that other preset they called classical music because they're saying it's so dynamic, you want to retain those dynamics because it's so loud. So I, I couldn't go with that. So as I was looking through the different choices, I was like, well, it is loud. So I could see maybe I don't want to choose B, which is what I did choose, but B is the default. So for that reason, I couldn't decide on which one to use. So I said, default just seems to be the most fair way to go. If Aria thinks it's loud and distorts it because of that, then I think it's a fault in Aria. Like it should be able to say, this is really loud and squished. Maybe we shouldn't compress it too far. So, but that's the preset. So I'm saying there is a chance if we use C, A, or one of the other five choices that it could have been not as distorted as you heard this or not as loud. Let me check my notes. I'm not sure that I said that the Aria one was distorted. It was I loud. Said it was, I, I said it was overcooked. Right. Um, and I said, it, I said, it, I felt it got tiring. Okay. Because it was one of the loudest ones. Uh, the loudest one was, uh, was the, the Sterling one, which again was understandable. And this one was just only a little bit lower than that which in this mm. world is a little weird because, you know, we're not doing the loudness wars anymore. But this was not much lower than that. 
Yeah, right. I'm just looking at the... In fact, it was only 0.1 dB. <laughs> right. Lower than the sterling. Than, right. than, the, than the sterling. So, I mean, to be honest, maybe you can hear the difference in 0.1 dB, but that's, that's barely worth mentioning. And something that I know about ARIA that maybe people listening haven't come across yet is that it's different from the other automated mastering services because it uses an analog chain. Okay. So... Uh, can you explain that? How does it do that? They actually have a robot arm that recalls the settings. Wow. It's a kind of, uh, yeah, so at least that's I've seen pictures of that. So depending on the preset that you choose, it will go through a different chain with different settings. Um, okay. Whether those settings react, I mean, that's interesting what you were saying there, because maybe those settings don't react to the music in the same way. Right. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't, and I've forgotten the name of the engineer who designed it, but he's, he's, he's a working mastering engineer, runs um, a pro mastering facility, okay. but then has set up this alternative for people. Uh, you know, initially, I think it was motivated because people wanted stuff faster. They wanted him to produce masters while he was asleep. <laughs> you know, and and that, it was just not possible. So he built a robot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but the, the interesting thing is that I've heard really positive things. And that's, it's interesting that it's the least popular in this yes. poll, so at least at this point, given that. And it, I can't help wondering whether that's because, you know, I said in the other test that I've seen, it was the one that came out loudest. Um, in right. fact, they did two versions of the ARIA there because there's one of them that is like, I don't know what it's called, maxed out or something. That's that's the It's even louder than the other settings. Gotcha. So they had the, I don't know whether they used the default, but they had one of the more restrained settings and then the super loud one. Gotcha. So the suspicious part of me kind of thinks people are doing these comparisons. They're not loudness matching and they're just picking the loudest one. And right. actually when you hear it in the way that you're going to hear it, because here's the thing, you know, Tidal and Pandora are going to loudness match these songs exactly as we did. So this right. is a completely 100% accurate representation of how they would sound if they were uploaded as single songs on Pandora or Tidal. YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Soundcheck will all do slightly different things. But when you're comparing the same song, the differences between them are probably going to follow similar patterns. Right. Right? Even though they decide the overall loudness in slightly different ways. Um you're going to see this, the same kind of thing. And, you know, this is, this is what I've always been saying, is that, on the whole, the loudest stuff suffers. Um, right. Let me just look at this order again. So the exception to that is the Sterling Master. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, that's another positive point for a human, right? right? Is that even when they overcooked it, it's still one that people like the results of. And that makes sense, right? Because right. if you're a human and you're overcooking it, you can do what's necessary to minimise... Uh, the damage of that process right. and make it as musical as possible. Well, that's what I think these guys can do. Cause I mean, I don't know if you have your own little tricks, but I assume all these guys have their own little tricks of making it sound as loud as possible without actually crushing it. Cause any of us can distort it with L2. You know, I think they're, they build their career on like making it as loud as someone else using an L2, but without actually ruining it. Like, but it looks ruined. Cause if you look at the waveform, it probably looks very crushed, right? Yeah. I, I, in fact, I haven't actually looked at the waveforms of these yet. Um, okay. I've, I've literally only listened to these. I have, I've got the, the numbers of the, just the raw loudness that we used for the, the loudness matching. Okay. Because one thing we haven't mentioned is that, uh, several of these masters have intersample peaks. Okay. Um, listeners to the show will know all about intersample peaks. We don't need to go into it now, but, uh, the Sterling master, the Aria master and Stephen Slate's master all had intersample peaks. Now, intersample peaks are not actually clipping but they're kind of predictions that if you encode that stuff 
in a lossy format, or if you sample rate convert it or do some other kind of processing without there being enough headroom built in, you might end up with extra distortion. So that's an interesting thing for people to know. Whereas John and Ozone and Lander, none of those have intersample peaks. Okay. But you asked me whether any of them were actually clipping originally. Right. Um, and one of them was. Now, let me see if I can f- scroll back and see which one it was that was. Hey, guys, I'm and, still yeah, here. I was going to say, you haven't got to say anything <laughs> so far. <laughs> so bad. I haven't said anything since 17 minutes. Oh, no, he's keeping score as well. Oh, boy. (laughs) Here it is. Uh, So file B, yeah, was hitting, I said in my message to you, Kenny, it's hitting zero dBFS pretty damn hard. Right. (laughs) Um, So that, who knows what uh, the guy at Sterling used, but it's quite possible that he was deliberately using clipping. Right. But it's not like that clipping has introduced blatant distortion into the signal, right. right? Right. He because he's a person, he can do that. Whereas some of the machine masters in this case, you know, I, my my notes, I was saying, oh no, it's pumping, it's uh, it's too dense, all that kind of stuff. I mean, part of that's my subjective opinion, right. but also for me, I per, I personally feel my philosophy as a mastering engineer is that whatever I do should basically be invisible. My goal is to make stuff sound better without anybody really knowing how or why. Exactly. Um, and I think the fact that you know the Sterling engineer is the second most popular in this test shows you that that is possible. Yeah. That's what he's achieved. And I mean, who knows if John had been asked to do a super hot master, he might well have achieved the same thing. Right. But I think the fact that his master is, uh, coming up is even more popular than the Sterling master in, in this poll. Mm -hmm. That I think is evidence for me of the, the benefits of dynamics. Um, yes. You know, I think, I think he has an opportunity there. To but because he didn't feel under pressure to 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 make the the master as loud as possible, it gives him more room to breathe. So th- there's a quick kind of point we should mention about another thing about this test, because your mix was already pretty loud. Yes. Um, and you have you know like you say got plenty of dynamic processing in there already. Another thing that this test isn't showing is if we threw something much more dynamic at this. Yes these automated services and these mastering engineers, then you might hear a whole range of other differences between them that might completely change people's opinions about what was better or, or, or not as good about them. Right. Well, it's like I said, I'd like to do one where there's a more dynamic mix to start with and also with, with much more EQ problems to fix. Because I think you'll get much more varied results out of them that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think my experience of automated mastering so far is that they you know, those, the automated mastering systems are nowhere near as good at humans uh, as figuring so. those things out, you yeah. know, because how is a robot going to know whether that, that kind of big resonance uh, at kind of 200 Hertz is because you wanted that bass note to kind of really sing out because it works right. musically or whether it's just a poorly EQ'd instrument, you know, right. uh, it, it could leave it, something that was unintentional or it could take something out that was intentional. I think the mistake that people think is that, they think that there's, there is a such thing as a good master in terms of the EQ frequencies across the board, whether it should be equal or even not equal, that they think there is a correct way. And that's not, I don't think that's true. I think it varies based on the song, the style of music, the tempo of the song. I don't think you can put in a stamp and go, this is how all songs should be frequency-wise. Because I made that same mistake when I was like 18 years old and I bought my first Spectrum Analyzer. I put that thing up and I looked at other people's mixes uh, like, you know, I think I had an Alice Cooper record at the time. I put the CD on, which I thought sounded great. 
and I listen to it. I, I look at the spectrum analyzer, then I put my mix on and I try to match it. And it sounded like, it sounded terrible because that's not, that's not how it's done. It's not as simple as matching something else by frequencies. It's, it's, I don't think it even is a way of stamping it, if that makes any sense. So it does make sense. I'm going to push back ever so slightly against that because I think there are, like everything that we do, there are guidelines, right? Yes. There, there's, there's kind of ballpark. You, you know, you can, for most stuff, if you have 6 dBs more bass than any other kind of area of the frequency spectrum, that's probably not going to be sound great. Or if you have 6 dBs less. But then it depends. If you have a solo acoustic guitar, then yes. you're absolutely right. The, the, why would that have pumping 60 hertz in it? Right. It's, and you're going to add um, that back in? <laughs> yeah, right. And <laughs> so it's a really interesting question is whether machines will ever be able to emulate what mastering engineers do right. uh, to, to a significant... And, and this is where I kind of... We get to the kind of the rounding this whole thing up. Um, there's one other point I want to mention before I do, which is just an interesting thing about this particular poll, is that when you specifically asked people to vote, you have said it's okay to vote for more than one song. Yes. And that may have uh, either increased or decreased the difference between each of the songs that are in there. I mean, no question. You know, I think for this song, because the original mix was pretty controlled in terms of dynamics, the dynamic aspects of this poll uh, or the, the influence of the dynamics of the song on this poll are probably less pronounced than they might be if it had been more dynamic going in. And therefore, right. I think it's coming down a lot more to EQ. And the, the kind of the general trend I see is that um, from memory, uh, the John's Master and the Sterling Master were both a little bit brighter, uh, had okay. a little bit more clarity um, than some of the others. Gotcha. Um, and I think people are liking that. Um Possibly. So, you know, that's that's just an, an interesting, another thing for people to kind of think about when they're looking at these results. You don't want to right. read too much into it. Getting back to the idea of... The reason I did it that way, just so you know, is that, I mean, there's benefits. Of, I wish I could have done everything both ways. But the reason I did it is like, mm. if you're listening to this and you think you hear three good ones and three bad ones, if you're forced to choose one, that's not really as fair as if you chose the three and ignored the other three. You know what I mean? Like if, if, I, if I really love two, I would vote for two. And at least those both those votes count as opposed to just voting for one and not balancing out somebody else who just misguidedly did it all wrong and voted for, you know, like A or E that maybe not be as good. It's, it's kind of, I don't know, way of putting it. There's, there's probably a mathematical way of explaining it, but I think it's a valid way to, to do it. It's just, I, I mean, say, for example, if, if my theory is right and it generally comes down to the EQ and you've got the, the EQ of John's Master and the Sterling Master as being the most similar and maybe slightly different from the others, you know, what is it? So we've got 38 for for John's master and yes. 31 for the Sterling master. So they're almost equal, right? Um, right. Maybe that would have been a bigger difference if people had only picked one right. over the other. Or B and, could and have come in last have... place. B could have come in last place if we did it that way. If you think about I, it. I guess, I guess, yeah, that's theoretically possible, yeah. If, <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect that to see it because... It oh, shouldn't, it's interesting. but it you, could. You need a you, yeah, you'd need a statistician to unravel this. Anyway, it's another interesting aspect of the test. I told you I'm good at this. <laughs> yeah, keeping the conversation going. We have to wrap this up, and we also have to allow John to say something. So I, the, the final thing point I was going to make before I let John speak is that uh, th th this is my kind of takeaway from the whole thing. I feel like you know, the original episode where we talked about automated mastering was called Not Mastering, because I don't believe that these automated processes are mastering, right? For me, if you want to have a song mastered, you have a human. That's It's a person 
bringing their intellect, their emotional response to the music, all of that to the song. What these automated services do is much closer to the kind of auto contrast feature in Photoshop or some kind of photo editing application. You know, absolutely. You, you click the wizard button, and maybe on 60, 70% of photographs, it will give you a result that you're happier with. You know, it'll probably right. it'll brighten things up, it'll probably sort stuff out. Um, but it's not gonna fix, it's not gonna kind of take the power lines out of a beautiful landscape photograph for you because the computer doesn't know that those aren't an important part of the picture. It's right. probably not gonna fix the red eye unless you click the red eye button, because otherwise it might take stuff that isn't red eye out of the image. It's like roses. Exactly. Yeah. It's the, so, so it's kind of, it's useful up to a point, but if for me, mastering is about getting the best possible result from the music and you're never going to get the best possible result from processing a photograph by clicking the wizard button. You probably get close, but you know, kind of not all the way. Um, (laughs) But the thing that's really important also is is having multiple ears on the same thing. I'm not a big believer in mastering my own mix. Like people always ask me that, what do you do in mastering? I don't do anything. If someone doesn't want something mastered and they want to put it on YouTube, I tell them just take my mix and put it on YouTube or put it on wherever you want. I won't, I won't do any kind of mastering to it because to me, the whole idea is that somebody else should be listening to what I did with a different set of ears and doing something else with it. If I master it myself, it make to me, it makes no sense because I should have just did that when I mixed. That's a great point. And it, and it should be a conversation, right? If you, if, if right. you have something mastered by somebody, you're going to have notes when they come back and it might yes. just be, yes, that's perfect. Great job. Or it might be, well, that's great, but can track three be slightly this, that or the other. And that's a huge thing for me is mastering should be a conversation. And at this point we can't yet have a conversation with, with the robots. <laughs> um, right. But we should have a conversation with John because he's been patiently sitting there through this entire episode. <laughs> I'm sorry, John. John, what what are your thoughts about yeah, all of no this? Problem. Give us your because because you didn't hear any of this stuff, so you've just kind of heard Kenny and I talking. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd really love to listen to the files and and figure out what I like the best, but also I I really want to do my own master. Um, but all through this conversation, um, it seems like these automated mastering things kind of like analyze the song and they they do like one preset and they don't they don't think about like maybe the intro needs to be a little bit less dynamic than than the verse that uh, comes next you know doing volume automation it's probably not doing any sort of stereo width automation or any eq automation Um, and these are all things that i did the other day in the last album mastering i did i even did eq matching because the last song in the album sounded totally different from the other ones, I, I picked my my uh, I picked my favorite song from the album, sent it into the side chain, used a matching thing, and and then set it to like seventy percent, and it that got me way closer. None of these have an album mode, as far as I know. Maybe the ozone, which is a big does. part of mastering, right? Like yeah, balancing absolutely. tracks for each other. That's a <laughs> huge part of mastering. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, gr- great points, um, and and in fact. Uh, I used a little bit of automation in the master that I did. Um, I'm not going to tell anybody what they did in case I ever put it out there for people to listen to so they can have fun and see if they figure out what it was. But another thing Kenny and I talked about, um, you know, I asked him about the, the the amp buzz at the start, but also um, I felt towards the end of the song, there's a tambourine that comes in that is a little bit, especially when I've made the adjustments that I want to make to the top end to kind of open the, make it bring the clarity out and everything. Actually, that tambourine after the mastering processing was just a li- just a little bit over the top for me. So, if I was mastering this, I would probably have a conversation with Kenny. Where I'd say, "How do you feel about maybe edging that tambourine back a little bit or addressing the EQ on it?" Um, 
I decided not to try and deal with that. You know, I experimented with kind of using a little bit of dynamic EQ and uh, even a deessa on that section of the song just to see if I could, it was cutting into too much other stuff. So it's definitely something that right. we're better off dealt with in the mix. But that's another thing that a machine, certainly at this point, um, is not going not gonna to give you. Right. Very cool. John, anything else you wanted to add? How much does uh, sending a track through Lander cost? I'm sorry, Lander was nine ninety nine. Okay, so like, I mean, if you go on Craigslist and you get someone to master a track for ten bucks, is it going to be better or worse than Lander? I would say worse. If we're just going by <laughs> you're going by price, <laughs> but it's not on Craigslist <laughs> for ten dollars. I would say that depends on the person. Um, <laughs> of course, but yeah, because you know, but I mean, a good mastering engineer should I mean, be ten dollars on Craigslist. No, but like if, if it's like if it's your buddy down the street and 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 you just you're just making making beats and you need someone to master it, right. I mean maybe Lander's not the worst thing. It's still a different perspective on on what it could be, and you know, maybe you use that as your your secondary set of speakers, right. sort of thing. Like like lots of people will have like six sets of speakers and they'll you know do the car test and stuff. Maybe ten bucks per track uh, on Lander is is worth it for them. It's not 10 bucks per track because you can sign up for a monthly thing. Okay. I forget what it is. Maybe it's like 99 a month and you can get unlimited or a hundred songs per month. So there's a whole, there's a, both of them do area. And that one does have like a subscription where you can do a monthly fee or a yearly fee and just do it that way, which I was actually concerned about. Cause like, I don't want to just sign up for something. I just want to pay you once to just do this for the contest, yeah. which I was able to do for both of them. But they do, they do have services if you want to use on a regular basis for what you're talking about, where you just want to keep sending you tracks every time and just hear it back and go, Maybe I'll adjust this. Maybe I won't. It's, and I don't think it's terrible. No, for that. I was going to say, now, it's, how it's, fast is it actually? Is it like instant, more or less? Uh, Lander is Lander is instant. The other one took. It said it was going to take an hour, but it took more like twenty minutes. Okay. The it's not. Yet. It's not. It's not quite instant. I mean, it takes a few minutes, but yeah, it's it's pretty much. I was wondering if a guy. That's why I asked you because I was wondering if a guy was actually sitting there in his underwear running these mixes to analog <laughs> gear when I was sending it in. <laughs> Like, he's like, ding, he got another one. And he's like sitting there going, okay, let me put this thing well, through. I, I said it was a robot. I've seen That's a photograph funny. of a robot. I haven't seen a video of the robot yet. So maybe the okay. robot is a publicity <laughs> shot. And there's a, actually, there's a guy in his underwear with his arm in the robot arm <laughs> moving it about. <laughs> I, I'm feeling bad for the guys at Lander because I have to mm-hmm. say that I would say this is the least successful example I've heard. What, what Lander did for this song, to me, I mean, Kenny, you're the ultimate judge because it's your mix, but it, it just didn't fit. That's not necessarily to no, say it that terrible. it's bad, right? It's it's just, and um, and maybe on other stuff, it would work better. And I, uh, John's point is a great one. You know, is the difference between I have no idea what John charges, but I know my rates are pretty high. You know, uh, would my master be worth the extra money to people versus? So how much was Aria? I think that was nineteen. 19 for a single song. Yeah, it's for one song. It's pretty expensive, I have to say. For where did Aria? Yeah, see, Aria was the least popular. I mean, but again, on this song, right? It's well, it's the least popular, but I, honestly, I thought Aria was better than Lander. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, and that's that is an interesting thing just looking at these results. Maybe they'll maybe they'll change um, over the next few days if more if more people come in and vote. Because um, I'm guessing. Maybe about 40 people, would you say, have voted so far? With people mu- voting for multiple tracks? Or do you think it's more than that? Oh, I haven't really looked at the. I haven't really looked at that. I wonder if you could download it so you can look and see multiples. Because I mean, I assume that not everybody voted multiple. 
Because I kind of made it like if you hear one that you love and you don't like the others, just vote for one. But if you hear three that you love, vote for three. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was the better way of looking at it as opposed to making everyone choose mm-hmm. one. This way, I think I thought the cream would rise a little more to the top that way. So you could eliminate the ones. Because to me, it's more telling of the humans versus the computers versus just one mix being the best. I think that that's the maybe the, the main takeaway from this is, yeah, right. just to go, I mean, I said it before, but it's worth saying again, overwhelmingly here, we have humans beating out the machines. Uh, you know, right. you can you can debate whether the uh, John's master is really better than the Sterling one. My guess is that if the Sterling engineer had been told to make it as dynamic as he would like, it would be pretty similar to right. to John's master, and that could have a whole different influence on the EQ that he'd used and and all the rest of it. Um, totally. Yeah, and I mean, you know, lots of people are liking Stephen's master as well, and you know, he's not claiming to be a mastering engineer. Um, no. But he was, he was a fresh ears on it. Like he was listening. Oh yeah. No, he's, he's doing, I mean, this is the thing, you know, I mean, this whole podcast is helping people. There are people who listen to it just because they are mastering engineers or they're just interested in the topic of mastering. But I think most people are interested because they're at least experimenting with mastering themselves, you know, either their own material or stuff that their friends are sending them and all the rest of it. So yeah, I'm the last person to say, you know, he doesn't, have mastering an engineer written on his CV, he can't possibly claim to do it. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> and that's the other thing it's, is, is that all of these are actually surprisingly close. You know, there are people who will right. tell you that the automating services are complete junk and completely unusable. Right. Um, you know, we yes. have one example here where it wasn't a good fit for the song. Um, but actually, you know, and even with the differences in, in dynamics, uh, you know, for me, I'm pretty sensitive this to this stuff. I I don't feel that the the automated versions are usable. Uh, but right. other people might have different opinions. You know, especially for the low price in comparison to to getting a pro mastering engineer to work on it. So, right. Yeah, I mean, and it's also going to change based on the material they're doing. If someone's recording themselves at home and the recording itself isn't that good anyway, you know what I mean? Then you know, almost could argue you don't. Why would I spend three hundred dollars getting this song mixed? When the song isn't very good anyway. <laughs> well, um, but I, I'm saying the song isn't good. But I'm saying like the production and stuff, like how much mastering, if, if, the, if, if I record it in my house and it's really a, a crappy sounding recording, how much can Sterling or you guys really fix that anyway? You know what I mean? So in those people's situation, maybe Lander makes sense for them. You know what I mean? Because it's like, at least they put some ear, at least that there's another approach to hear it. And if it was something majorly wrong, maybe it majorly fixes it. I don't know. Again, like we couldn't tell unless we used a really bad mix to hear that with. Well, and I th- lots of people uh, say that th- that's exactly why they use Lander. Is you know they they can't justify a pro mastering engineer to work on their stuff. Uh, it right. gets things into the right ballpark for them, um, right. you know, quickly and easily and efficiently. And, right. Because because you know there's there's lots of people kind of wringing their hands out there and kind of thinking, oh no, it's it's the end of the world that you know the the machines are doing the mastering that shouldn't be happening. Um, right. I don't take that opinion at all. You know I mean? It just, it, it opens up more options for people. I, you know, I still, as always, if you want the best possible results, you go to a pro mastering engineer whose work you like and who you get on with, who understands what you're trying to achieve musically. But that doesn't mean right. that it's not valid to use one of these. I mean, I use the wizard function in Photoshop all the time for my, oh, my, me too. my you know, <laughs> you, you want to make a photo book to, to, to share with somebody or just to, to get these photos right. printed out. It, it makes sense. And every so often you get one right. that doesn't quite work. And so you do some tweaking yourself manually. It's, 
But if you were a professional photographer, you wouldn't do that. Exactly. No. And that's, that's the difference there. I was talking to some other S-Stringer engineer today about similar things, and there's other little politics that goes into these same kind of things. Because, like, for instance, a lot of mastering engineers, I'll give you a perfect example. Years ago, I, I had some guy I found on Facebook that I was going to use as a mastering engineer. And he did a pretty good job on it. But then when they sent it to the man, I, I was trying to help him out because I always try to help out little guys, help them get their foot in the door instead of using all the typical ways of going. So I try to help him out. And he, I thought he did a good job on the mix. It sounded pretty good uh, on the master. We sent it to the CD person and they rejected it. And I was like, what, what happened there was we saved a little money and we weren't even doing it for the money savings, but we all looked ridiculous. The A&R person, the band, everyone was like, you know, you threw off, you threw off our whole schedule for a couple of weeks because now this thing's rejected. We have to go to another mastering engineer to do it. So in those situations, the politics of it is the reason why those, you don't usually want to take a chance with something like this. You don't want to take a chance with something you know is not good. You know if you go to Sterling or someone like you or some other mastering engineer that you know is going to do a good job, there's a peace of mind in going, I'll pay a little more knowing that I'm not going to wind up with a situation where I went to some automatic company and I don't know what result I'm going to get. You know what I mean? So there's, there's some of that that plays into it as well. Yep. No, absolutely. It's worth mentioning again the point that John raised, um, which is that, you know, a huge part of mastering is getting the songs to set together as an album. I mean, to, to the so, point where I don't actually do single song mastering projects anymore unless it's for an existing client. Um Right. Just because I I don't find it satisfying, and and it because okay. what am I matching this to? It's I mean, yeah, you know, it, where mastering really comes into its own is how does this song relate to the others as a sequence, as part of a you know a playlist or an album or an EP or whatever it, it might be, and that's something right. that currently these uh, the, the the automated systems don't do any of that, and how could they? Right. And I think I mean I was listening to this is completely off topic a, a podcast talking about. Uh, the beginnings of uh, driverless cars. Okay. Um, and it's a pretty fascinating story about the early experiments they had with the, there was a race out in the desert in the US somewhere with these cars. And the, the course was 50 miles long. And I think the winner made it seven miles before it crashed. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you listen to the, to the hype from the, the, uh, the, the industry talking about driverless cars and they're saying, yeah, two or three right. years, we'll have it on the road. You actually talk to the engineers and they're saying, right. when will we have automated cars without a safety driver just in case there's a problem? Well, maybe 10, maybe 15, maybe 20 years. Um, right. And that's, I'm not saying that driving a car is a simple task. It's clearly right. uh, a very sophisticated process that has to be done. And it has hugely high stakes, right? Because they get it wrong, somebody dies. Yes. Having yes. said that... I still think the task of getting a car to drive around an obstacle course is way easier than getting a computer to understand emotion and nuance and artistic intent and, you know, right. all of that stuff oh. that, that we, all of us spend our time in the studio agonizing about. So, um, totally. I think if, if, if I want to kind of, that would be my takeaway from this whole process is that, you know, polls like this, it's great fun. It can be kind of, quite illuminating. I would hate anybody to, to look at this and make some conclusion to use or not use any particular system or engineer based on the results of the poll because there are so many variables. Totally. Oh, I, I have this thing called the mastering maxim on these shows. Um, and I think uh, we can round this show up by saying my mastering maxim is uh, talk to a person, get your mastering done by a real <laughs> person. <laughs> um, maybe in 50 years, the machines will be able to do it for us, but I, I have my doubts. And in 50 years, someone else will be listening to the music. 
Oh, 50 years music probably will be unrecognizable. I mean, <laughs> just imagine playing Frank Sinatra some dubstep. <laughs> Uh, listen Kenny this is I've really enjoyed this it's been great having you on as a guest Uh, thank you for setting up the test I'm sorry I couldn't take part in it but I suspect uh, well I hope I would be just another one of the the humans near the top of the list I'm sure you would and hopefully you'll be in the next one because I want to do these again cool Yeah. well I'm I'm up for it in theory Uh, schedules permitting (laughs) I understand John thank you for editing and mixing the show and being here and being my co-host even though Kenny and I barely let you get a word in edgeways Hey, no problem. <laughs> That's what I usually do to John. A recent video said, not Kenny Joya. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks to Kaylee Law for letting us use his music for the show. Um, if you like this, found it interesting, please head over and check out the the, the original files that Kenny uploaded, the, the poll on Facebook. We'll put all the links to that on themasteringshow.com. And... Uh, please head over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review so that other people can find the podcast. And most of all, thanks for listening.